Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alvstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome into the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alvstead, and here, as always, with Mr. Keith Myers, and we're talking free agency this week, and specifically, we're going to get into the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think past experiences told us that when we try to cram everything all into one episode, we we generally run out of time, so we're just going to stick with offense today. Keith, hey man, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh been a uh, it's been a long week since the last time we talked i mean it hasn't been that long but it sure feels like it because it's time to get together and talk to some football with my friends so let's do it nice nice yeah you know it's crazy because it's the off season right and uh we're done with football as far as uh on the field is concerned but it's it's these weeks you know between now and uh training camp that really some of the best time i have like thinking about football, studying football, studying players, watching the draft, going through free agency. I mean, there's just a lot of fun stuff to go on. And I know not every fan kind of gets into that. And some people take, you know, half the year off and they come back and at the end of July and training camp and they start their thing. And as soon as the season ends, they walk away and, you know, but uh, we're here like 52 weeks out of the year and uh, we really enjoy all this kind of stuff and hope the fans that are listening um, do too. So Keith, why don't you kind of lead this thing off a little bit, kind of give us a setup as to what we're trying to do today. Okay. So the Seahawks have a roster that's they're They're kind of in churn mode trying to, you know, this is about to be year three of a three year rebuild. They've got a ton of cap room, a ton of draft picks, but also some pretty serious needs to fill in to, help them move up and be that next level uh, or instead of just getting into the playoffs and like that, but being a true Super Bowl contender. Uh, so they have some different things that they, they need to do this year to make that step. And they can make that step. They have the resources to do it. Speaking of which they have about 55 million in cap room plus some extra, um, you know, that they can, they can make almost certainly will, will create very easily. And so we're just looking at that and, and we're like, okay, so with the, we're talking free agency. So it's, what are they going to do with that money? Some of it's going to be used on in-house guys, guys that uh, where their contracts just expired, but they still have the ability to go out and get a couple of guys, uh, maybe a couple of big name guys and uh, make a statement in terms of where they are going to use their resources to make the roster better. And so we're going to look at, you know, some options, some different people uh, that we would like to see them uh, go after and places where they could spend some of that money. And this week we're starting with the offense because let's face it, these shows can get long as they are and we're not going to do both of them. Yeah. And we thought we'd start with the offense too, because I'm telling you the defense is really going to be fun. Like next week, there's just so many players out there yeah. and the defense is the place that we're, we need, I think a little bit more help than the offense. And so Next week's show is going to be really, really good. So make sure you come back for that. So on the offense, you know, we we went through our positions of need ranked last week as far as what we think the Seahawks need to be able to do. You came in with your list. I came in with mine. We're fairly close, more or less. Um, but this week we're going to talk about 
all the positions, kind of who's available, who's out there, what do we think it's going to cost, um, what do you, we think other teams are going to do in relationship to that. And, um, you know, it's just part of the roster building uh, ability that Seahawks have to improve the team this year. Uh, they'll go through free agency. Uh, after next week's show, we're going to start to look at uh, the road to the draft. And the first thing is the combine that's coming up at the end of the month. And so we'll start to take a look at players that are going to be available in the draft in the coming weeks. And that adds to this pile of players available and resources that they have to improve the team this year. But we're going to start on offense this week. Uh, Keith, where do you want to start? And you lead it off um, in the direction you want to go. Well, naturally for me and anyone listens to the show would know I'm like, Ooh, let's do offensive line, but maybe we shouldn't lead off with that and have people turn off their uh, podcast. So um, let's jump in. uh, Let's jump in and start with um, the wide receiver position. Cause the CX have their, uh, their top two guys in Metcalf and Lockett. They've got some pieces after that in guys like, um, Malik Turner and um, John Ursua, but uh, and David Moore. Well, David Moore is actually a free agent, so he is. Um, he is, and so he's one of those guys that that we need to talk about. So they've got they've got the the top two, and they've got a couple of pieces, but uh, Brown's gone and Gordon's gone, and right now Moore is um, a free agent, and there's just guys out there that. Um, are available and the team kind of needs some depth. They kind of need some guys. They don't need to go out and get, you know, the playmaker that's going to make the offense, but they can't just like completely ignore. Wait, wait, put on the brakes. So what happened to Russell Wilson's statement where he says, Hey, look at me over here. I need a couple more weapons on offense. Hey, he didn't say that. Now, come on. He he did. No, what he said is that as a team, all parts of the team. Yeah. Let's upgrade the talent. Why should we, who, what person ever says, no, we shouldn't upgrade the talent. We, we, we don't, we have enough talent. We don't need anymore. And well, let's not I think you it. and I would both agree that it would be pretty clear to most neutral observers looking at this team that would say that we could probably stand to use a really nice number three option at wide receiver in, in this group now that now uh, options four and five they probably exist on the team i mean you you mentioned it earlier ursua is a real nice kind of talent out there that we didn't utilize this year that's available a guy that can uh, catch the ball in open space and really take advantage of his little uh, you know his his quickness but he's he's an older prospect he's like 25 this year he'll be 26 next year really hasn't played any football for the seahawks yet so we've got a guy like that and then um, Malik Turner, you know, and then David Moore might come back. Jerron Brown was out there, didn't really do anything. The, the team is full of prospects we thought at one time we were excited about, and all of a sudden the, the cupboard's bare a little bit. So where do the Seahawks look? Do they need – let me ask you this. Do they need to spend a lot of money at this position this year, or do they kind of take it as it comes and maybe take a look at second and third tier kind of guys because that's really the the, the position that they're in and, and the position they're trying to fill is this, the third or fourth guy on the roster. And, and that's what they do because, you know, they're probably going to draft a player in the fourth or fifth round to add to the mix. Um, they're going to pick up, you know, some undrafted free agent that they really like certain athletic qualities of and hope that they 
uh, get into the mix. And then, but that's, that leaves you with a bunch of projects um, and the two guys at the top. And it would be kind of nice to fill in that middle part. And so it, let's go find a guy that's, that can fit in that middle ground and be a, you know, a decent player, a number three, someone that they can depend on um, in case one of the, you know, the projects doesn't completely uh, live up to uh, what they're looking for, but they don't have to go get a stud. They don't have to go spend money. I think they could though. I mean, they could, they could shock the world and go out and not get like the top four or five guys that are out there, but they could get into that second level of, you know, um, would that be that shocking? I think they could end up spending, you know, eight to $10 million a year on a pro on a prospect in this particular situation. And that wouldn't, I wouldn't be completely blown out of the water by it. Okay. So saying that, who would you, who of all the people that are available is worth that? That's not going to, well, that's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, and, and that's what we're here for. So, you know, you can, I think you can cross out guys like Amari Cooper and AJ green. I think AJ green being available, even at 32 years old from Cincinnati, I think he's probably going to get franchised. Be completely honest. He's probably looking at 15 million a year when he does get signed. Emmanuel Sanders is 33. He's still a kind of a $10 million a guy. I'm not sure. I mean, he he did pretty good. I mean, he looked pretty good at 33 years old. I wouldn't mind having a guy like that, a veteran presence on the roster for Russell Wilson to take advantage of. But I'm thinking a guy, maybe if you're going to get a veteran guy, a little older, a guy like Randall Cobb, used to be with Green Bay, uh, recently with Dallas. Um, I don't think Dallas is, is going to retain him. He might be available on a two- to three-year deal where you're looking at paying him maybe seven, eight million dollars a year, something like that might be interesting. Or a guy that can stretch the field, uh Rishad Perryman or a David Funchess or a Robbie Anderson out of the New York Jets is intriguing. Younger guy, twenty six years old, so you could invest a little bit more in a guy like that that could take you into uh, a hedge eventually to a maybe a Tyler Lockett. Um so there's some guys out there Keith, uh, one situation that I would pay attention to that the, the Seahawks, I think, might find intriguing is the whole Stefan Diggs thing in the, uh, with the Vikings. The Vikings need to shed cap this year. They're actually underwater cap room-wise at negative $12 million to begin you know, right now, and they need to get under that cap before the new season starts. And so um, that's a possibility. Stefan Diggs has claimed that he's not happy. He's, there's some friendship rumors out there with Russell Wilson. He's 26 years old. He's got five seasons uh, in the league and has generated 4,600 yards and 30 TDs. He's under contract until 2023 in a kind of pretty easy-to-swallow cap hits, uh, potentially $11.5 million in 2020, 2021 through 2023 at $12 million. That's pretty pretty good cap number for a guy like Diggs that could come in and really be your number two, number three guy overall and give Russell Wilson what he wants. And I think Russell Wilson does want another weapon. If you're not going to do it like at tight end, you might do it at, at wide receiver and, and I have a trio of like Diggs and Medcalf and Lockett would set this thing up for a long time and it would be really good. And I, I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah. See, I, I like that was, I was, you were, we were talking free agency. So it's kind of leading you to be like, Oh, so who's available? Um, because the only guy out of all of this that's, that I find, you know, interesting is maybe Funches. Uh, but he would be on his third team. 
uh, before he, you know, with his second contract, um, which will tell. Well, him- and he had I, you can't even count last year. I mean, he was out almost all year with the hamstring and the clavicle and IR on most of the season. Came back like game eleven or twelve, and then got hurt again. So he only had like four or five catches all year. Yep. And so getting a guy like him, especially on like a one-year deal where it's like, hey, let's go let you reestablish some of that value. Um, I could see them going in yep, that direction. Yep. But the, uh, I, I, so I find him really interesting, but it was the, it, it's the Stefan Diggs potential to uh, get it, that would allow Minnesota to get under the cap um, or very close to it. And it gives the Seahawks the playmaker that uh, they want. And it basically finishes wide receiver where at that point you don't have to do anything except for like a you know sixth seventh round pick or an undrafted free agent because you've got your top three guys and you've got three other three other guys that you know have promise that you're you know waiting to develop and all of that and you can just sit back and wait uh, on those guys because you've got the guys that are going to play so if Seattle doesn't move in that direction, I really do think that they would like and take an interest in Robbie Anderson of the Jets or like a Seth Roberts from the Ravens, um, two guys that can stretch the field a little bit. Um, Robbie Anderson's no slouch at all. I mean, he's got a 14.9 yards per average uh, for his career. Mm-hmm. And um, last year he had 52 catches for 779 yards and five TDs at I think he's probably going to be had at like nine to eleven million dollars a year, something like that would be crazy. If we're going to spend money at the position, if we're not, if we're going to spend you know five million dollars or whatever to get a number three guy in, that's fine. But you'd be looking at a guy like Seth Roberts or something. He's still, you know, twenty one catches last year for two hundred seventy nine yards, couple TDs. That's what you're. That's what you're getting for four or five million dollars, as opposed to the guys we've been talking about at ten million. You know, so you. You have to be realistic about all this stuff. That's why Diggs is kind of intriguing because a, you would trade you. It would cost you. I mean, it's going to be either one of those two for, uh, second round picks or possibly even the twenty seven pick overall to get Diggs. But the cool thing about Diggs is you're getting a proven talent production and under contract until twenty twenty three. And that's that. That to me is one of the keys: is that you get a guy that's under contract for a while because. Uh, this is a team that, you know, they'll, if you're going to give up a draft pick, you're not, don't do it for a guy you're going to have for a year. And when you look at what they did with the, um, you know, the other dig deal uh, last year during the mid season, when they uh, traded for Quandre digs, they traded for a guy that was going to be on the roster for the rest of that year and for two additional years. And that was part of the reason why that was such a good, uh, a good, yeah. good trade. Cause it just sets them up to be able to uh have options and it's that's nice to have well and you take a look at the opposite problem um with our edge rusher situation with Jadavian Clowney you know Jadavian Clowney came in on a trade we promise not to franchise him I know we're getting to the defense we're talking edge but as an example of that um and he's asked that we won't franchise him this year so he's not under contract Seahawks are just as likely to lose him as we are to resign him. Um, and it's going to be very costly to get a guy like that. So to, ha- to have somebody under contract, especially where it's, you know, all these contracts just rise incrementally every single year. So when you get a guy like Diggs who signed his contract last year, 
you're just getting a better value and you know, he's totally worth it at, at that cap number. And that would be a very intriguing thing to me. I would, I would be tickled because everyone talks about giving Russell Wilson all the weapons he needs around him. I realize that we're kind of a run first quote unquote team and so forth, even though that's not necessarily proven out, but giving Russell Wilson that extra weapon really takes the pressure off trying to get another tight end trying to get, you know, a, a backup running back number three that can really, you know, do some damage and stuff. You throw all your resources at that position and that, that trio, I'm telling you that trio of wide receivers is plus Russell Wilson. That's formidable. I mean, that right there is one of the top wide receiving cores in the, in the NFL plus Russell Wilson. It's, it's crazy. I mean, that would be a highly productive offense. Okay, so so any any other wide receivers, Keith, that you kind of had your eye on at all? Not really. Um, I mean, there was, that that was kind of of uh, the extent of it. I mean, uh, AJ Green would be nice. He didn't play last year because he was out all year with the injury, so he's coming coming back. He might, and that might uh, keep his contract value down, and and maybe allow him to go want to go for a shorter term deal or that kind of stuff. And you could add a guy like that who is just a proven. Uh, dominator. Okay, that might, might work, but I just don't know if you go out and spend that kind of money on a guy that's that age and didn't play last year. Um, I'd rather go. I agree. I'd rather go and do you know do the digs trade or um, you know maybe try and and if you're going to pick a guy that that was injured all last year, go after a younger player like Funches, uh, who's going to cost less and and you know just expect Metcalf to continue to develop. So, I mean, I just think you have options, um, but we, what the other option, and you mentioned it a couple of times is to go get that, uh, weapon that, uh, to help Wilson out at tight end. Um, because if you look at what the offense did and it's efficiency numbers, uh, before and after, um, the Will Disley injury, you know, it, his impact on the offense, you it's, can, you can stark. see it there. You can see his impact in the aggregate numbers, they were a better team with him. Now he's coming off his second massive injury in two years. He's never made it more than a, you know, a few games into a season at the pro level before being done for the year. So I don't know if you can just go, okay, we've got that, that superstar that we, that we want. Um, I, at this point we have to kind of assume that he is a number two guy um, with the, with number one talent, but he's got to prove that he can stay on the field. Um, and so there are some options. You, let, let's go pair, let's go pair him with someone else. And, you know, Hollister will be back. He's an, ex, he's technically a free agent, but it's exclusive, right? So he'll be back, um, in a Seahawk uniform, uh, to be the number three guy, but let's go pair, um, Disley with another proven guy. Um, yeah, and, well, there's two, two guys at the top of the tight end market that I think are unlikely to return the, to their teams. And I think maybe that's what we should be focusing on this year. In in this show, um, Austin Hooper at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Atlanta is going to have a hard time retaining him, but he's a very young talent, twenty five years old. That is um, that has very been very productive, and um, yeah, he's six four, two fifty four, blocks well, seventy five catches, seven hundred eighty seven yards, six TDs in thirteen games in two thousand nineteen. He's a guy that. 
I think that you could probably get for around eight million a year. The top top tight end in the entire league, uh, salary wise, last year was Jimmy Graham. I think we all remember that name at ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to get ten million dollar. You know, he's top of the tight end market. I don't think, but he's going to get close. So, you know, eight to nine million dollars some guaranteed money in there. A guy like that would, you know, if you're not going to get a Diggs or not going to get another big name, number three wide receiver to come in, spend some money on the tight end. They could get one of those top tier guys in the market that would really uh, vastly improve this team. Even if our, our tight end came back from the Achilles and was hundred percent, that would be a, a great tandem to have on the team. Great weapon. You pair that with Hollister as well, man, that would be a, a sweet situation for the team. Now, for me, and I'll just say this before you kind of chime in, um, after you get through the top two or three guys in, at the tight end spot uh, in this free agency, uh, it really drops off. You got Hunter Henry out there. I think the Chargers are going to retain him. Eric like Ebron at the Colts looks like he's going to move on. He's the other guy that's kind of young that could um, get, could have some some serious impact. Um, for a team, but then after that, you know, you got Tyler Effort, uh, Eifert out there. Uh, Greg Olson was in for a visit. I don't haven't heard anything about that. Um, um, so this seems to me like the position on the offense, as far as weapons are, are concerned, where we go to the draft. Like, there's just not going to be a lot of solving of the problem unless you get one of these top guys. If they don't, I think they draft somebody. Yeah, I mean. I would I gr- would agree with all of that. I think that uh, it looks like, um, unfortunately, that you know Hunter Henry is going to be off the market before the market exists. Uh, Austin Hooper is the one that I would go after because if you if you to get the production from out of Austin, you know, from Austin Hooper to get that production at wide receiver is going to cost you fifty percent more. So it's going to. I agree. That's totally a good point. So Keith. you're going to the production that you'll get out of Austin Hooper for $9 million a year, which is, I think, about what he's going to get, it's going to cost 13 or 14 uh, to get at a wide receiver. So um, unless you can make a trade and get yes, the Stefan yes. Diggs uh, right. situation where you can get a, uh, that kind of player for 11 or 12, um, you're better off spending the money on a guy like Hooper. But he's also going to be really sought after. Other teams are going to want that guy too. And so can you get him into town and keep him here. Yeah. Well, like you said, Keith, he's going to have three or four suitors uh, that he's going to be able to choose from. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd think that the Seahawks would be on top of the list. You got your quarterback, Russell Wilson. You've proven that your tight end uh, position is a position of need on the team. He can come in and start right away. He's not competing for catches in that spot, you know, overall for the most part. And again, Russell Wilson, you've got uh, a Super Bowl contending situation. So Seattle is going to be favored in any sort of situation like that, but a guy has to move all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast. It's it's not as easy as it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are things that I think a lot of times people don't uh, consider, but they do matter to players. I mean, if it's someone who's, you know, they've got, um, you know, they've got a house or, they, you know, they've kind of set themselves up, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna un, I'm gonna you know unroot everything and move all the way across the country, in, you know, to Seattle, and you know that's a big deal. I mean, it's it, it's you know if you're going from you know Indianapolis to Chicago, you go, eh, who cares? 
uh, you know, cause that's like an hour and a half drive. If, uh, you do it at night when there's no traffic, um, <laughs> it's very different to do that in where you're asking someone to move all the way across the country. And it, you know, it really does matter to the players. So a question for you. Did you hear anything about the Greg Olson visit? I didn't other than that. He, he came in and then left. Um, that's weird that we didn't hear a thing. Yeah. I mean, a day later, you know, so anyway, thought I'd check because that would be an option for a stopgap situation. Yeah. He's a 35 year old guy who has a little bit left in the tank, but not a lot. Um, and I just, I, I would see him as a guy that you, if you, if he was willing, you know, you could bring him in, you pay him for one year. Uh, he'd play for one year and then retire or, or go somewhere else. And it would give you an opportunity to wait out Will Disley and make the decision on him, whether he is the guy uh, long-term or not until next year. Um, so I went ahead and looked ahead to the 2021 uh, draft class as it currently sits at tight end. And I mean, there just isn't a lot, you know, that's the same on the same level. Um, as far as young guys that are, are, um, I would be, if we got a wide receiver of some talent, I would be fine drafting a tight end that could block the first year, like mm -hmm. bring him in to block and, and then he can pick up the wide receiving stuff or the, the receiving stuff later. Um, but we would need to supplement that. I still think that we would have to supplement that. I mean, you might bring back a guy like Luke Wilson or, or, you know, or Nick, Finette. somebody or Nick Finette's out there too. You know, we traded him to Pittsburgh for a fifth round pick this year. Thank you. Um, but he's uh, available. He doesn't have to sign with Pittsburgh anymore. You could bring a guy like that back and just hold the fort down for a little bit. Um, I, other than that, I don't really know how to address the position um, other than just go ahead and draft for the future, but you wouldn't have necessarily something that would pay off for you this year. Yeah. And, and I really think that with it, it Disley's injury was unfortunate for so many, so many different reasons, but just the, the unknown of what he is going to be as you go forward into the future is really rough on the Seahawks because they believe they've got a guy who can be a yeah. star, but he's, he made it through. Yeah, was it? They've solved, they solved the position. Yeah. They solved it. And now they have to solve it again. Yeah. It's, it's, it is frustrating. So, okay. So let's, um, my pick, <laughs> let's stay with the, um, with the, with the fun position group of running back and get, get the, 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 the talent, uh, the, the, the superstar positions out of the way. And then we'll move into the trenches. Um, Running backs kind of dismal out there too. You, you mentioned the tight, we mentioned the tight end group overall, the running back group, you know, after the first four or five, there's not a, guy, a lot of guys you've heard of. There's guys that come in and, and give you some production. And maybe that's what the Seahawks need. The Seahawks already have Chris Carson. Every indication is that Chris Carson is going to be 100% after the hip fracture in December. Uh, Rashad Penny is a different little question mark where he had some ACL damage plus other things going on with his knee. Um, sounds like he's probably going to be okay to start the season, but we just don't know. And after Penny, there's really nothing on the roster currently that fills 
that second running back void. So you do have to hedge a little bit for that. And I see them probably bringing in a veteran guy that can at least take them through camp um, to, to be on the team this year while Penny heals up. Um, and then, and then could be available if Penny has to stay out another eight, seven or eight weeks, you need a backup guy. If you're going to bring, you're going to bring in a veteran to, you know, be that stopgap. Um, my question for you would be who, because who's, who's available in this market that's worth thinking about. Um, you know, you'd have to bring in a guy. Well, there's a, a couple guys. I mean, everyone would love to have a, a Derrick Henry because he's the most Seahawky running back out on the market. But I think Titans probably going to tie him up. 26 years old. He's a beast. I mean, he's like 6'3", 235 pounds or whatever. I mean, oh my goodness, he would look good in a Seahawk uniform. Yeah, but he's not going but, anywhere. Okay. I know, but let's put that aside. <laughs> let's put that aside. You got Kenyon Drake out there who ran well for the Cardinals this year in eight games. He had like 650 50 yards and eight TDs. I wouldn't mind him as a Seahawk, but we're not looking for a guy that's going to carry the team. We're looking for a complimentary guy. Um, a guy like maybe Carlos Hyde from the Texans, Keith, like 28 years old. He's not ancient, but he's 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 not completely young he's a veteran i think he could probably be had for like two and a half three million dollars on a one-year deal a guy like that maybe or a lamar miller again a texan guy same thing 28 years old could give you a year uh, of stopgap kind of running yeah, plus lamar miller didn't plus, play last year plus chris carson is on a contract year. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks do need to bring in somebody for the future as a hedge against that situation. Which is why I see them uh, looking to the draft and finding someone, not in the first or second round like they like they did uh, when they went and got Penny, but you know a later round pick uh, like they did when they got Carson. And um, trying to find a guy that can do that. And, you know, just find the athletic traits that you like and uh you know go for it that way Uh, yeah they've got six picks in the first four rounds yeah so let's use one of those on on the future get a future tight end future running back Mm -hmm. and spend the rest of them on the on um well and they need need an offensive (laughs) line you need need an offensive Um, line we'll talk about that no i would i would i would spend the you know the tight end and an offensive lineman and i would wait on running back till rounds five or six and you know just go get go get the athleticism knowing that you can bring them along slowly uh, and teach, That's true, and teach them, you know, the rest of it uh, because you can, because you've got uh, Carson. Um, you do need a guy though, that can step in if, if need be true as your number two guy for like six or seven weeks in case, in case Penny's not ready to go day one. Yeah. Anybody else out there in the, in the free agent market that you thought maybe could come in for, a, a, a season if needed not really um you know I, you know you mentioned lamar miller but he didn't even play last year um that's but that's a possibility that's why i thought he'd be cheap i thought that maybe texans would be willing to move on from him and he'd be cheap on a one-year deal prove it deal yeah i mean and, and the same thing idea you could do with someone like theoretic um none of these guys are they're not going to excite anyone peyton barber um you know that kind of thing no but if they can give you four yards of carry and hold down the fort, you know, to, to, and, and have like six to seven or eight touches a game. I mean, we're not talking about a lot. Here. No, because it's going to be the Chris Carson show. And then once Penny is healthy, not just, uh, not just 
on the roster, but healthy and really running like um, he was right before he got hurt. Whoever we, they sign and bring in, their their touches is just going to keep going down. So exactly, um, exactly. And so you need someone who can give you a few and step up if you know if need be. But you don't need someone who's going to do a ton. So. Um, Let's go ahead and move on from there because I don't know if there's much else to talk about with the running back position. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to get into um, everybody's everybody's favorite position, and that is the backup quarterback. Because uh, for some reason, <laughs> it is the most talked about position in, on most teams, and had used to be in Seattle forever. Um, and now we don't really t- we don't actually care that much because we have Russell Wilson who never gets hurt. And um, so it's nice to have a guy like Geno Smith who was there last year um, because it, it, there's one guy, there's one guy besides Geno Smith in this entire list of quarterback free agents available. Can I guess? That I would be possibly interested in rehabbing and rehabbing his image, rehabbing his everything and creating a, a possibly a value for the Seahawks over time. And I know who that is, who you're going to say. You're going to say Marcus Mariota. Former starter. Marcus Mariota sitting out there. The former starter for the Tennessee Titans who lost his job uh, mid-year to Ryan Tannehill. Um, yeah, and, then, and nobody's going to give him a starter job. Nobody's going to just hand him a starter job no. in this offseason. Especially He's going to have to rehab. Especially after Tannehill stepped up and the offense got significantly better with Tannehill than it did than it was with Mariota. So you know people are going to look at that and they're going to like, yeah, he's definitely part of the part of the issue, part of the problem. And so they're not going to, um, he's not going to be someone that anyone's going to go after uh, to be a right. starter. He, if he wants to play in this league, he's going to have to accept a deal as a backup and hope for a, a situation where he can get a chance to play at some point and do well. So yeah, that he and can, a one-year deal at that. And, yeah. the, and the Seahawks are masters at one-year quarterback, backup quarterback deals. Mm-hmm. It would be a perfect situation for Marcus Mariota to actually come back to the Northwest, come back under Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. come back to a Seahawk coach team. Brian Schottenheimer's an excellent quarterback coach. This is an ideal situation for Marcus Mariota. Yeah. And, um, you know, the only other name, like, of anybody that's out there that I was, I was kind of going to look at, I'm like, this is really just not an exciting list of, well, of like people. Case Keenum. No, what? Uh, it would be, it would, <laughs> it would actually be the person who was the backup quarterback before Geno Smith. And that's Brett Hundley. Um, yeah, that's who, true. Who just spent, he is out there. He's out there. He just spent a single year in Arizona. Uh, um, yeah. And, you know, he knows. But they liked him in Arizona. It wouldn't surprise me if Arizona has him back. True. But it's all going to come down to money and opportunity and all of that. And, and um, in Seattle, like I said, he knows the offense, and and they could go if he costs less, and if Mariota has a little bit more interest. Listen, listen, so. I don't know. I'm thinking Geno Smith only because let's let's face it, Geno Smith looked like a better prospect than Brent Hundley while Brent Hundley was here. Mm-hmm. Geno Smith actually did fairly well in preseason. Looked very competent. Looked like a guy that could come in and at least hold down the fort for a couple of games if needed. Um, not necessarily getting you a win, a dynamic performance, but a guy that can run the offense. Um, the the guy that's just the intriguing guy, it would be Marcus Mariota and a guy that you could theoretically say could run the, a, a very similar offense as um, the current offense and to, to rehab 
his whole situation to me is just very intriguing because of the quarterback that he was at Oregon. And if he can be that guy again, I don't know that physically he's diminished a lot. I think mentally the team, he just suffered there in Tennessee and I'm not exactly sure why, but I'd love to find out. So um, not that any of these names uh, apply to Seattle, but just if you look at the list of free agent quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. Which, which guy out of all those would you take if you were to need a starting quarterback in the NFL, Keith? If I needed a starting quarterback for one year, I'd take Drew Brees, hands down. No no questions asked. If I needed, What if you were transitioning? It, what do you mean? Like if I was... Like if you had a young prospect on the roster, but you needed the guy that could come in. I would probably go with Philip Rivers from that group. Would you not? Okay. What if you needed a guy that you thought that you could carry for like three or four years, give a three or four year contract to? Out of that list? the Yeah. I'm just curious. Probably the only one I would look at is Teddy Bridgewater. I agree. Um, I agree with that. And just because, I mean, you look at the age. He's going to be the less expensive option. Yeah. And you're not going to have to carry him for one. He's not going to want a one-year deal or, or whatever. He'd love a long-term deal. Yeah. He'd love an opportunity to start. The other guys are known starters. You're going to have to start them. Yeah. You, you bring in a guy like Bri- a Breeze or whatever. you know. Yep. But, yeah, that's an interesting list. There's a lot of money sitting there. There's a lot of money that teams are going to have to fork out for those guys on the very twilight of every single one of their careers. Yeah. People will say Jameis Winston because they'll look at the passing yards and passing touchdowns and 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 you know some of those stats and you're like how is this guy not like you know gonna get you know that forty million dollar or whatever uh, go look at his interceptions and realize that he threw almost thirty interceptions this year yeah that's still a very tough situation that he's come out of there in Tampa Bay yeah, I, I don't know I wouldn't know I don't know that you'd really have to study his film study what his mechanics were understand his, his uh, mentality the, and figure out if you could have something to work with there. The problem has never been his mechanics or his throwing motion. It's always what's between the ears. And I don't know if he's fixable. I mean, look at, uh, you know, they, they, they switched coaches and um, tried to set up a situation which was going to be perfect for him. And he almost set the NFL record for interceptions in a year. Uh, that right there is like, okay, that's just, he's just not, he's not going to be there. He's, He's kind of like Jeff George back in the day, um, you know, big arm, all of that, but just cannot stop himself from throwing, uh, you know, interception after interception after. He threw like uh, almost two interceptions per game on average. They play. He played Seattle very well in Seattle this year. I thought. Um. Yeah, but backup quarterbacks played Seattle very well in Seattle all year and this their defense was bad so i don't think seattle actually is a meaningful representation of anybody's skill cx made brett hunley look good right let's talk offensive line yay let's move, let, let's move past these internal squabbles shall we <laughs> so now we're gonna get we're getting into um the thing i would have loved to start with but i knew that that would cause people to turn off their uh their podcast player and um but there so what what mark some, is it now 38 minutes uh 39 minutes keith um okay i just mental note i'm gonna see like when people check out of this thing 
I get right, it. I so, get it. I uh, no, people just don't care about the offensive line in the same way that I do. Well, they should. Um, they should this year because Seattle. We need some help. I mean, for all the continuity that Pete Carroll wants to have in this offensive line. I just don't see it. It's just not going to happen. Yep. Britt's coming off the injury with a big inflated contract. He's not going to either have that contract or be on the team. We've got uh, Mike Upati at left guard. He was injured quite a bit Free this agent. year. Played okay, eh. but he's gone probably. Yep. You've got Fluker on the other side who has a contract that's not terrible, but it's still mostly unguaranteed. They could cut him and save three three and a half million dollar on the cap. Yeah, but they won't. Um, you got a, a Fetty on the right side who's, been who's a free agent who's been awful, probably not even in the top 50 uh, offensive line prospects, not even including tackle uh, tackles or just tackles, guards, centers, yeah, he's, everybody. He's not in he's the top, not, not in the good. top fifty tackles in the NFL. Okay, fair enough, right? So, so that is our offensive line situation. We have a couple of prospects at guard in Jamarco Jones and Phil Haynes, and then we've got Fant, who's also a free agent who hasn't really been a starter his whole career. He had some opportunities, but it was sidelined with injury. That's the state of our offensive line right now. Mm-hmm. And and it's charged with blocking for one of the best running backs in the league in Chris Carson and Rashad, and Rashad Penny and charged with protecting one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Russell Wilson. And it is a complete hot mess. Yep. And 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 Pete Carroll said I just want it to all be the same. I want everyone to come back. I want continuity. What in the heck is the disconnect that I'm seeing right now? Uh, when Pete Carroll says stuff like that, just smile and nod because it, how many, how often does he say stuff like that? And the team, do it I'm getting does, into the, I'm getting into exactly the age group the now Keith, where people are starting to do that to me. Okay. So I resent <laughs> that, that comment. <laughs> uh, no comment. Um, but no, I mean, Pete Carroll says that kind of stuff all the time. Cause he doesn't want to throw anyone under the bus and he doesn't like, Oh yeah, like well, we need an all new on all new line because this sucked. But okay, so now any hope of getting Justin Britt to resign at a lower number, uh, just got, he just threw that out, um, or anything like that. So, um, I mean, you kind of look at it and you go, okay, Justin Britt is not worth the number he's he's at. So they'll, they're going to try and you know maybe extend him at a much lower number. Uh, Fluker was probably coming back because he's got that one cat one year of cat friendly year. Um, you know, Dwayne Brown, maybe they don't do anything at left tackle that gives them three spots. And then you just kind of go from there. Um, and especially if you like the Hayes, uh, Jones situation at left guard, both of which, both of those guys, um, you know, I mean, Hayes got a ton of talent and a ton of promise. Yeah. Um, I think one of those two guys is going to start in 2020. There's no question. Yep. And, um, and so you, you kind of go into it, go into the year with, with those guys. And that really leaves you the right tackle spot. And, you can upgrade from uh, a Fetty pretty easily um, because if you're looking at it, I mean, a Fetty's going to get, um, he's probably going to get five or six million a year from someone just because he doesn't get hurt and he's, he's, um, you know, reliable in, in terms of like staying healthy and all that kind of stuff. But you could go out and if you're going to spend, um, you know, five million on a Fetty, why not go spend nine on, you know, Jack Coughlin or, um, maybe it's 11 and get a guy who is truly uh, good 
at that position. He would be position. a perfect fit in this offense. I'll just great. have to say it right off the top. After really looking at this group and studying this for, uh, you know, in this week and getting ready for this show, Keith, Jack Conklin is the perfect fit. He's been a 16-game starter in three out of the four seasons. You know, he's had a couple of injuries, things going on, but he's the best suited right tackle in this entire free agency class for a run-heavy offense. He's a great run blocker. He also protects the quarterback pretty well in pass blocking. Um, He also blocked for Derrick Henry in Tennessee, the 1,500-yard running back with 16 touchdowns. I like Jack Conklin. I think he is going to cost, you know, 11 or 12 million a year. Mm-hmm. He's young. He's 26 years old. You can build around that. You can keep this guy on the Seahawks roster for a long time. That's the kind of prospect you'd want to spend money on. I think that Seattle would would take a look at that. The other option would be to go older, more established veteran uh, that could hold down the fort for you for a couple of years while you developed a uh, tackle prospect that you picked up in the draft, a guy like Brian Beluga, mm-hmm. if they wanted to spend money, you're still going to have to spend money there, but you wouldn't have to probably do it for more than a couple of years yep. with a guy like Beluga. But a uh, 10 year career with the Packers, uh, he allowed four sacks in 2019. Um, he's unlikely to game. return to Green Bay. <laughs> he's unlikely returning Green Bay because of the cap, you know. Yep. Um, so I, he'd be another option. Uh, the other, other guy out there that I thought maybe would be interesting would be Jermaine or Fetty. Um, Jermaine or Fetty is, is 26 so, years old. So not interesting. Started 60 games in four seasons, 12 penalties in 2019 is problematic. And he's trying to get a, like a four year, $50 million deal. He, he is. And people are going to scoff at that and laugh at that. But I just told you the whole entire right tackle market in the NFL. That Jack Coughlin and Brian Beluga are his competition. Maybe Daryl Williams from the Panthers, and that and that's it. Um, that's it. Effetti for four years and fifty million is a waste of fifty million dollars. I know. If if you're choosing, you'd hope that nobody gave him that, and he'd come back like on a one year, eight million dollar deal. Oh, I would. That would be one, my situation. Eight, eight? No, four. If you're paying him more than four, you're overpaying him. He is not in the top fifty tackles there's, in the NFL. There's there's He's sixty right tackles in the NFL making less than or making more than four million dollars a year. No, there's not. I get the fact that he's not going to. He's not going to take $4 million. The guy would rather go to Arizona and win four games in a year making $6 million than take Seattle's $4 million because that's an insult. Okay. Um, I don't like, I'm not saying I like Effetti as a prospect, Keith. I agree with you, and I have agreed with you for several years now. In fact, we met originally because you were bitching and moaning about Jermaine <laughs> in one of your articles. And I responded, I think, you know, cause it, it, it is one of those deals where, um, but it's, it's one of those deals where there's just not a lot out there on the market and the market is going to be, is going to dictate terms for a Fetty on this. And just from the lack of prospects out there, I think he's going to get paid. So I, I think it's unlikely that he's going to return to the Seahawks in that scenario. If the market says that Jermaine Fetty is worth $12 million a year, 
somebody else can pay it. I That's would, right. I would rather go with an undrafted free agent at right tackle at $375,000 a year than to yeah. go well, than, than to, pay, we, to pay Jermaine. Because yeah. you're getting, you're not getting Well, I would suffer one year. I would suffer through one year of, of, of George Fan at right tackle before I would get a Fetty back. I would get, I would take a Fetty back on a one-year deal to get to bridge to something else. Only because the team has planned poorly for the situation. I think they wanted Jamarco Jones to actually come in and be able to play right tackle. And uh, he didn't play left tackle very well. Maybe he can play right tackle. And maybe he is the situation that the Seahawks are planning on. If they do move away from a Fetty, I don't know for sure. Yeah. But it's 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 bewildering that they didn't solve this problem before they reached. They knew they were not carrying a Fetty on the fifth-year option. I would have thought that they would have had a solution in place guaranteed before this, and they just don't. Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, right tackle is not a, a premium position. It's not like a left tackle. It's a premium spot. position for the Seahawks because the Seahawks can't solve it. They haven't tried. Have they? I mean, really? No, Come the, on. Their, their last attempt to solve it was uh, a Fetty, and that was a uh, Tom Cable special um, that obviously didn't work out. So it, they haven't really tried to, fought, to solve the right tackle spot. Um, in fact, they knew that a Fetty was terrible, um, and they decided to roll with him as. Uh, the starter the last couple of years anyway. So I just don't see like, I don't, I don't. Do see you think that a, they throw money at this position at all in free agency? Um, I don't think they do. Um, I don't, I don't either. But, I really don't. And yeah, but my, here's, here was, was my thought it, it going into this. Um, because you've got Dwayne Brown on the other side who ha- is older um, he was injured a lot last year. He didn't play as well as he has in the past because of uh, those injuries. And and there's another situation sitting there that Seattle really hasn't planned for. Yep. And so you go go through and 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 let's if you expand this and say it's not just the left tackle or not just the right tackle, but let's also look at the left tackle because what if you could go get a guy like DJ Humphrey who is the left starting left tackle. Uh, for the Cardinals last year and played pretty dang well. Um, and you bring him in with the idea. I just can't see that they would let him go. But boy, if he could, if he would, if he was available, I would might jump on that. Yeah, go and play one year at right tackle and then move to the left side. Yep, you bring him in. He's the he's the right tackle um, supposedly. And if um, you know if Brown gets hurt, he's the left tackle. Um, or if not, then he's the left tackle a year from now, and he makes 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 the play one year there and you go ahead and you get uh, that'll gives you the year to develop your right tackle um, your, your draft pick and, and, and really find that guy uh, and, and to do it that way. Um, I could totally see the team, you know, going in that direction with the, with the left tackle. Um, That's funny. I wrote DJ's uh, Humphrey's name down and I literally crossed it out. Uh, when I was getting ready for the show, because I thought it was it would be unrealistic, but you you've painted a scenario where I could actually see that happening. The other name in that same exact situation, um, it would be Greg Robinson, um, a former um, kind of thought of as more of a bust. Um, 
you know, coming out of the draft. Uh, but, you know, because he was the second overall pick of the Rams and, and just never really played all that well. But then moved to uh, the Browns and played played significantly better. Uh, still not great, but he's only 27. Um, and I think a move to the right side probably fits him. Um, but what he does then is give you that flexibility where if Brown can't go, he has the experience. He has, you know, performed at left tackle. Um, so you, he gives you more of a flexibility, but he's also a guy that is more of a, I think, um, more of a right tackle prospect long-term. So um, he can play both, but you want him at, at, at right tackle, I think. And so um, I think you could get away with that. Uh, so those are the two guys that I would expand this market and look at uh, if I was Seahawks. So you set this segment up a little bit on discounting a couple of positions I think that the Seahawks are still wishing to improve upon. And the reason for that is that we finished so poorly in both run blocking and pass blocking as a unit. Absolutely. And I just think that we should strive to be thinking uh, better than than what we were. And so I don't know that they want to bring – they probably want to bring Britt back, but I, I think that there's an opportunity there if Britt doesn't decide to restructure his contract because he's not coming back at $11 mm-hmm. million. He's just not. Yeah. Um, if they decide to to improve upon that position, there's an opportunity there to do that. Now, there, the the center market is not huge in free agency, but there's a couple of guys there. Graham Glasgow uh, from the Lions, 28 years old, didn't allow a sack in 2018. How refreshing would that be to have a center that didn't allow a sack? Um, Connor McGovern's out there. You and I have talked about that before. That would we liked be, him in the draft. That, that would be, I mean, he played uh, 27, played a hundred percent of the snaps for the Broncos last year, a guy that yeah. can, he can play guard as well. Um, yeah. And he's got an excellent pass blocking grade of 82.5 with pro football focus, yeah. but he's an, he's a run blocking mauler, yeah. you know, as well. So that guy would be a great, he would uh, be 36 career starts. Yeah. If you could go and get him, he would be a huge upgrade over Justin Britt. So if you can, go, yes, so both those guys. So let's say, let's say you go get McGovern at, eight million a year, which is a lot for a center. You're saving three million dollars over Brit and you're upgrading the position. I mean, that's the kind of situation that we're looking at. Um with, you know, with that they're looking at. Yeah. And when I when I I kind of downplayed um center, and this was the next thing for us to talk about, but I downplayed it because you were talking about Pete Carroll like, oh I want continuity. I'm like, okay, well if you want it, you have to go convince Justin Britt to take a pay cut because he's not coming back at eleven million dollars. You're right. He's not, and if we cut him, we'd save eight eight point seven five million. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the team, and that's we might need that money. And uh, in fact, I I wouldn't put it past the Seahawks to actually use that money for sure, and kind of counting on it right now in their off season plan. Like Justin Britt is not coming back at eleven million dollars. He's just not. Um, now he, he he can come back and and readjust that contract, no problem. Or they can cut him and he can resign for whatever. But. Um, so anyway, uh, and then and then the guard spot, Keith. I thought, you know, we really like Fluker as a person, as a motivator, as a guy that's a great locker room guy, a guy that's got the nasty attitude that you want to have on the line. But when it comes right down to actually playing, he's just not th- that guy. Um, yeah, but and, he, at at three million, or was it three or three and a half? I mean. 
doesn't have to be great. He has to be, you know, the fifth member of the offensive line. He's going to be the cheapest member of the offensive line. Um, and he's a leader yeah, and all of that. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to do that better. Con- that contract I, I, is we're so settling. palatable. That contract we're, is I so know. palatable. It's awesome. Great. Ugh, I'm puking on my microphone right now. I literally want to make sure that we're doing the best that we can do to take advantage of the window that we have to win the Super Bowl with Russell Wilson as our quarterback. And damn it, he was not the big the problem. Fluker. He was the Fluker was a problem. He, he was, graded out what, very poorly what, in Pro Football Focus, both yes. run blocking and pass blocking, and poorly. And look, if you look at the offensive linemen in Seattle, of the other five. Who were worse than Fluker last year? Afedi was worse than Fluker last year. Joey Hunt, who played uh, center, was was worse. Um, Lou Potty was worse, and uh, Britt was worse. What? And, and, Britt. Well, and Britt, but I, I was just like Britt didn't Britt, have a great year. Britt I mean, let's just be frank. Britt, is, Britt also didn't, didn't play much. You know who didn't have a great year? Brown. Yeah, Brown didn't have a great year of all of his at head, left yeah. tackle. So, um, but I would say that Brown was probably the best offensive lineman, even though he played pretty poorly because of his injuries and trying to play through a, a pretty nasty knee and um, uh, biceps in, injury. Um, and Fluker was probably the second best offensive lineman of the group. So here's so the go, deal. Go fix Fluker's the got a ones. great contract, but he's also got a contract that you can jettison for some cap savings. But you cannot so replace his that. production for his... his yeah, jettison it. And, Not and, for his number, but we've got some cap space to work with. So it depends on how the Seahawks want to want to spend their money. If, now, if they can pay Fluker seven point or excuse me three point five million dollars for for Fluker style production, or they can pay seven million dollars double that for a guy that's double the, the value. Um, you he, get a guy like uh, Quentin Spain. Guard, I mean, we're not talking, I'm not, I'm not trying to get the best guy on the market. I'm not going after, um, oh, who's out there? Brandon Scherf, right? I'm not trying to go after Brandon Scherf, number, uh, the fifth overall pick in the 2015 draft, 28 years old. He's, he's, he'd be a perfect fit for the Seahawks, but he's going to be really expensive for a guard. He's going to be like 12 million to $14 million a year. That's stupid. But there's some guys out there that are going to be better than Fluker that aren't going to have to break the bank. And a guy like Quentin Spain, a guard from the Buffalo Bills, 28 years old. He was undrafted originally, but he's a great run blocker at 6'4", 330. There's not, there's not just guys like Fluker out there. I don't know that we necessarily need to marry ourselves to a guy that's just not that good. I mean, he's a great guy and a good locker room guy and a he talks the talk great and all that stuff, but when it comes right down to it, Keith, he's a poor performer. A guy like Mike Schofield, seven, six seven three zero five guard out from the Chargers, 29 years old, but an athletic guy, ranked 26 out of 86 right guards in the NFL. Fluker was like ranked 70th out of 86 right guards in the NFL. But you can give him like a, you know, five to seven million dollar a year contract with you know, $7 million guaranteed. And the guy who's just going to be happy camper in Seattle for three to four years, a guy that's, you know, anyway, I, I know I'm just spouting a bunch of crap here's, right now, but what I'm problem. saying is I think the Seahawks need to be willing to move on from a guy like Fluker to improve their offensive line. I think he's part of the problem. He, every single member of the offensive line was part of the problem because that was the biggest, biggest problem on offense. 
but you cannot replace all five guys at once. It doesn't work. So you Brown is going to be back. Um, Fluker's going to be back. And then at that, at that point, you're still looking at replacing uh, 60% of your offensive line. Because if you move on, if you move on from Fluker and you go with a guy like Quentin Spain, um, now you're looking at uh, replacing 80% of your offensive line. Um, and that you just don't do in one year. It's just, that's, that is not, that's not good football. That's not good decision making. So I think that you, you have Fluker for one year. He's on a really, really nice contract for the team. He's a nice he's plus. A, Fluker's only average playing like twelve games a year for the last four years. True, but he's also he's it's a he's a nice veteran, great leader. Um, people totally respect him. It's the it's such a. If really you nice start contract. a guy like Haynes or Jamarco Jones that have been in with the team and been in camp, been in practices, I think there you could argue that you're not necessarily losing continuity by starting one of those guys at left guard. So you'd have Brown. Let's just say it's Haynes. Maybe Jamarco Jones is the guy at right guard, you know, and the team moves forward with that. I would be okay with that. Bring in your right tackle. Britt adjusts his contract, comes back for, uh, you know, while you're developing another center behind him that's not named Joey Hunt, and I would be happy with that. So but you're, you're going you're gonna to replace 60% of your line. Changes need to be made on a line that is as poor as Seattle's. And if we sit back and say we're happy with not changing 60%, we're going to only change 40% or 20% is unrealistic to me in order to get the, that's be incremental change on a, on a situation that needs massive change. And I get the continuity argument. I really do, Keith. I've been around football for a long time. I've been around this team for a long time. I understand that situation. I'm just saying it's, overplayed a little bit i think that seattle would be fine with three new starters on that line in very quick order if the quality of play was better overall i'm not convinced that it would be better overall when you're looking at that many new guys and the complexity of seattle's uh blocking i'm not i'm not talking about throwing a bunch of rooks out there i'm I'm not in fact i'm not throwing any rookies out there in this in my scenario no, see if you if you go out and you get a and you you pay a guy. Let's say they go and they pay and they get Conklin at right tackle. Yeah, okay. So now you're not looking at a you're not looking at a continuity, but you still look at a massive upgrade. Now at that situation, you're like, okay, well maybe we can go with uh, Jones at right guard. But unless you go out and you get that guy, if you get anything less, you- what if they got Connor McGovern to come in and play center? Conklin to play right tackle and you had Phil Haynes playing left guard would you are are you going to be upset and like saying playing this continuity argument in September Keith or are you going to say damn they really invested in their offensive line that's about time if they went and got uh McGovern and Conklin and they've got Hayes at left guard and and Brown over there and you're 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 looking at uh that means the people that you've listed, you've got Fluker sitting at right guard. Um, yeah, and I. But nonetheless, he's I'm, surrounded by huge upgrades. Yeah, and I'm loving that because you've gotten two premier starters at center and right tackle, and on top of that, you've got you've only got one young like uh, guy that is learning 
uh, the NFL game on the line, and you've got a plethora of people behind them that are ready to step up. Because when Fluker undoubtedly gets hurt, because he only plays 12 games a year, now you're going to give someone else an opportunity to learn on the job and uh, and and play so that the year after they're ready to step in and be the guy. And so you make this in, you make this a two year transition. You transition forty percent of the line this year with those two guys, um, with McGovern and, and Conklin, and then next year you um, you roll over part of the, the, the other forty percent. You get rid of um, Fluker at guard and uh, look to move Dwayne on Brown from left from Dwayne Brown at left tackle. And you've had um, in there. You've also developed your uh, left guard and maybe your right guard. And so you're going with a young player there instead of another vet. And so then, you know, you, you've taken time to develop guys, but you've also um, brought in key people and you've, you've upgraded. Um, I don't have the reason so, why, the reason so why I say me, I don't have a problem with it, when I'm saying continuity and all of that, it's not that, Oh, that's the end all be all. It's that you have to upgrade right tackle. You have to upgrade left guard. Those two things you have to upgrade. And if I don't get to write a guard along the way. I'm okay with one more year of fluker there. I just am. Um, Do I, is it, is he great? No. But you've also left out center in this, in this argument um, because we just don't know if Britt's going to take the pay cut, you know, chances are they're, they'll cut him, you know? Well, that's why we're talking about McGovern. Yeah. Right. So, it all brings it back and we've got the defense to talk about next week. It all brings it back to where are the Seahawks going to spend their money and their resources and how are they going to fit it all in with free agents and with rookies in the draft? Because we do know for a fact they've got a draft for some of these positions as well on the offensive line. They're either going to draft a left tackle high up in the draft to, to hedge against Brown and in the future they're going to draft the right tackle because maybe sometimes that's easier to draft for mm-hmm. at the back end of the first round. Um, all depends on how it falls to you. They could probably draft the number one center in the draft at 27 if they decided to stay there. Um, so, yeah, crazy. I love this kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had a great conversation today back and forth. Oh, yeah. Because um, it's it's not easy to solve some of these um, kind of complex situations where there's just all sorts of um, complexity to it, you know, as far as uh, multi layers of uh, things that need to happen. You know, if you solve for one position, you've got to delay another one, etc. Yeah, and well, one of the things that 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 came out this week, and it's not official. Um, it's a projection by people who do this every year and have gotten really, really good results. Um. But that it's come out that the Seahawks are expecting to get three draft picks added to their draft pick group uh, based on uh, compensatory picks for last year's free agency. They're expected to get a third round pick, a fourth round pick, and a sixth round pick. Um, and then, of course, they give up a they give up a seventh round pick because um, signing uh, Lupati. So he was like the one you know the, the one guy that canceled out. That was actually Brett Hundley who signed enough to to count. Um, that would have been the seventh round pick. But um, you know, getting three additional picks, a third, a fourth, and a sixth gives them one in the first, two in the second, two in the third, one in the fourth. Um, 
That is a lot of picks early in the draft. That's uh, six picks in the top 150. That is tremendous value. I mean, that's just a lot of capital. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, that, and it, that's a lot of capital that doesn't really cost you much. And if you go in and you also consider the fact that um, John Snyder will move back off of 27. Yeah, he'll move around. I mean, he could end up with 11 picks. Yeah. If he wanted to easily, or or he'd have enough ammunition to move up if he needed to. Yeah. He'll move back from 27 because he's John Snyder and he always does um, and get back into like 30 or 31 or maybe even into the second round at like 34, um, somewhere in there and pick up a couple extra picks. But it allows him to have the ammunition to move back up into the second round for a, for a fourth selection yeah. um, you yes. know, in the second round uh, if he wanted to. Because he'd already have two, and then he'd trade down. That would give him a third, and then he moved up. Uh, you know, and a situation like last year where they moved up to get uh, DK Metcalf with their third pick in the draft, but it's the last pick in the second round. Um, and go get the yeah, guy. Yeah, they, they could they end want. up with, if they could end up with with five or six top one hundred picks out of out of this much draft capital. That would be ideal. Yeah, so I expect, that would be just amazing. I expect them to move down from twenty seven to get into you know like 34 is what I, what I just said um, somewhere in there, but then expect them also to move up from, you know, 140 uh, up into like 112 in order to get another pick there. And, and they'll, they'll move around. They'll, they may move down at the top, but they're going to move up in the middle in order to get the guys they like, the guys they want. Um, and every time that they've moved up for a guy, um, you're talking like, go look at the, at the people they've traded up yeah. for. Tyler Lockett, yeah. DK Metcalf. Um, yeah, the list. They is, moved up and got their the Connor, uh, which call it their their linebacker last year. They moved up for. Yep, Barton. Um, they don't move up very often, and when they do, they tend to come away with a really nice player. Um, and they have the ammunition and the ability to do that. They can wait for the draft, see the guy that's dropping. You know, find next year's version of DK Metcalf. It might not be you know, at a different position. The guy that's a top 15 player, but for some reason is dropping. And then you're like, okay, now there's value. You know, let's go trade a couple picks and move up and get that guy. Um, and they're going to have an opportunity to do that. And John Snyder's shown the ability to do it. Uh, I like where they sit in the draft. And I'm so excited to start talking about the draft now. And yeah, <laughs> And you're making me Jones in now because I have to wait another couple of weeks before we do that because next week we're going to be talking about defensive guys in free agency. Uh, and now all I want to talk about is this draft stuff because it's, it's my favorite time of the year and I love talking about all that stuff. So, yeah. hey, uh, I think we wrapped up our offensive side of the ball in free agency this week. I think we I, did. I have to say, though, I'm able to, to see Keith. You guys aren't, obviously. Um, but I'm able to see Keith as I'm talking to him. I'm noticing a new instrument uh, in my vision here. Uh, you've got a new microphone, dude. I do. Like, what is happening? Because oh. it looks very similar to my microphone, and it's an EV20, and one of the best microphones in the business. And is that what you just, is that what you have? Let's let's not, uh, let, let it, let's not pretend that you don't know what's going on here. Uh, I do have a new microphone and it is an awesome microphone. It is a professional quality microphone and I have it because my wife bought it for me because she's amazing. Uh, and also because she contacted you and asked, 
uh, she asked you what to buy me. Um, so yes, I have a new microphone, but don't, don't play, wow. don't play ignorant that you didn't expect that it was coming. Um, and it I, all, it all worked out. It's it, crazy. It really did. And, um, I need a new, she said um, that you would be really pissed though. A little. She said, she, spent, she said, she, she, you know, she might have to take a vacation away from you for like a couple of days. <laughs> she, she spent more on it than I would have liked. So she but. wasn't initially going in that direction. I'll just let you know. So she yeah. even upgraded more than I thought the, the direction that she was going in. So yeah. hats off to you guys. Wow. This that's is amazing. It, 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 this is a nice setup. And I think like I, before we got on and recorded, I spent about, you know, half an hour uh, going through and resetting my settings as far as like uh, the recording and making sure that it had the bass right and whatever because it's it's a new microphone so it's gonna pick uh, channels up a little different and I can already tell like the just the quality of the sound um, just came yeah. through is significantly better. So I um, typically uh, on a weekly basis I produce the show mm-hmm. and um, sometimes it's challenging because Keith had a microphone that was awesome. You know, he had a microphone. That's that's awesome. He was able to talk into it, but it wasn't it wasn't great. And so every time I had to, I got your your uh, uh, audio file. I'd have to adjust it a little bit to kind of match my audio so that when it went out, it was same levels and all that kind of stuff. Um, so now they're going to be totally evenly matched. It's going to make my job easier. I couldn't be more happy. This is awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy for you, though, because, you know, we've been doing the show for a while. I think we've proven ourselves that we're going to stick around for a little while. So you deserve everything that you can get. Well, thank you, sir, for the role you played in, <laughs> in, in this pretty awesome gift. Um, I will say that having a professional quality microphone is um, not anything I ever thought for the longest time that I would ever want or need. And yet here I am. Uh, and we, you know what you've been, we, we, you, you've mentioned a couple of times that we've been doing this show regularly for a while. Let's, let's be clear on what for a while is. If there's anybody still listening um, for a while is three years. We are going to have our three year anniversary here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So uh, that is, Crazy. and we haven't missed a week. We have not missed a show in three years. So that yeah. says a lot. There's not many people out there dating who could who could say that. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, we've gotten together every week to watch the same television show. Um, no, um, yeah, no, it's been it's been awesome. I've really enjoyed this run. I mean, this has been crazy. I can't imagine it going away, and when it ever does, it's going to be a very sad day. Because um, it's it's really fun to talk Seahawks football. You're very knowledgeable. Like, uh, and one of the guys I talk to all the time about all this kind of stuff, Seahawks in general, and is my dad. Because my dad's been around for a long time. He's seen all this stuff. He really enjoys listening to the show. Um, he can he appreciates the fact that that we are able to get together and we are able to talk and to have somebody to talk to in depth about this kind of stuff is just really fun. I mean, the bottom line is it's just really fun. That's why we do the show. Yeah. I mean, this, one of my highlights every week is getting together with you and, and, and recording because it, it's talking Seahawks football for like an hour and, or more and um, doing so in a, in an analytical, like intelligent, like just, it's a conversation like people who listen to this know this none of this is scripted we um often don't even talk about our notes so we don't even know if we're going to talk about the same people or any of that very true we um we we pick a topic we research it like crazy 
uh, on our own. And then we get together and talk about it. Uh, and we share that conversation with the rest of you. So um, it, it's tremendously fun and enjoyable to record this every week. Awesome. Well, we'll just leave it there. So why don't you close the show out and on your, on your new microphone? All right. So uh, go ahead and follow Bill. He's at NWC Hawk, Northwest Seahawk uh, on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm at Myers NFL. Uh, you can follow the show at, at Hawks Playbook. You can find us at SeahawksPlaybook.com. You can find us on almost any uh, podcast um, aggregator app out there, whether it be Apple, iTunes, uh, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. We're on Spotify now. Um, and yeah. And growing uh, and growing and almost our, every day. Yep. And our, um, our, our reach as far as that stuff goes is growing. You can find us pretty much anywhere at this point. Um, and yeah. So until next week, everybody go Hawks, go Hawks. Hawks playbook podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Podcasts or listen at our website, hawksplaybook.com. Follow us on Twitter. Phil is at NWCHawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. See you next week. And go Hawks.